I, I remember when, when uh, my wife and I, when we were, um, you know, courting or dating or what have you, um, I was about to um, propose. I was probably, let's say, a couple, maybe three to four weeks out. I had already made the decision to propose. I spoke with my mom and spoke, spoke with her mother. And, um, but God, you know, God quickly spoke to me about this, this fact that she had a, a child already. Um, Jay, when, when I met my wife, uh, Jay was two years old. He's our oldest son. Jay is uh, 13 right now. And um, so I, I don't know what happened, but I had this idea, this thought in my mind that, man, when, when I propose to her, it's just going to be her. <laughs> I was building a relationship with this kid, but it was just going to be her, you know. Um, but but the, the Holy Spirit dealt me in that season, and he said, if, if you're going to commit to her, you're, you're also committing to him because it's a whole it's a whole package. And so I couldn't, I couldn't not commit to him. And so I remember I was, I was in my kitchen, uh, my mother's kitchen and just kind of weighing, weighing that, that situation and, um, made this firm decision that I wasn't just going to marry her, but I was also marrying into the family. And so, um, in that season, I owned him as my son. I committed my life to not just her, but but to him. And I, I think I think right now in society, uh, another pandemic that we're currently dealing with. Um, we talked about the real pandemic a few months ago about fear, um, but another pandemic that I believe we deal with in culture right now is uh, lack of commitment. And. Um, yeah. So, and as a result, um, we, unfortunately, we pay for it down the road. Um, and so today I want to talk about the idea of being committed and how when you read scripture, uh, people who were anointed, someone say anointed. anointed. So to be anointed means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit, just to make it clear. So I don't have to, I've taught it for three weeks, but if you've accepted Jesus, you are anointed. You may not know it. You may not be operating in it. You may not feel the anointing, but that's the truth of God's word. You have the spirit of God in you and there's nothing that is impossible for you. You are anointed. The problem comes in our lack of commitment to the right things. And, um, simply put, um, Go ahead and write this down. We'll, we'll skip a point, then we'll go back. But um, anointed people are committed people. Anointed people, when you read scripture, uh, when you read the word of God, we at Highlight, we believe that Highlight, uh, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, the only book that God ever written. And so it doesn't matter what man thinks, it matters what God thinks. And when you read the scripture, anointed people were very committed. David was committed. Joseph was committed. Daniel was committed. Jesus himself was committed. The Bible says that even when he, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he wanted to give up, he didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to take the beating. He prayed, father, not my will, but your will. So he battled with a lack of commitment at a certain point, but he still auto-corrected to commitment, right? And so anointed people from Genesis to Revelation are committed individuals. 
Um, they've deemed our generation millennials, and I'm interested to see what they're going to call the Gen Zers and the Alpha as they come along. But they've deemed us the hopping generation. And we hop from job to job. We hop from relationship to relationship. We hop from TikTok to TikTok. We hop from Instagram to Instagram. We're the hopping generation. And it just shows that we do battle with this lack of commitment. Let's go ahead and define commitment. We're a note-taking church. I want to encourage you to take, a, take, your note, take your notes. Commitment means this. It is a firm decision to be dedicated to something. It's a firm decision to be dedicated to something. And I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't just, in my heart, say, hey, Kyra, will you marry me? But in my heart, I own Jay as a son because that allowed me to enter the relationship as well reap the benefits of being a father to a boy that wasn't biologically mine. And so now he's this 13-year-old handsome kid, you know, not, not perfect. None of us are by any stretch, but genuinely loves God, loves the word of God, um, has big dreams. And just every time, you know, he calls me dad or every time he, he seeks for my advice, you know, he, he's growing up to that place now where he wants to wear my clothes and <laughs> And he's like, are you done with those shoes? And, you know, he, he, you know, the haircut and all that. He's always complimenting me. So it's definitely a sign of like, I love my dad. And so um, mom is always telling me things that he's saying in the car when I'm not around about me and all that. I don't get that if I don't commit 11 years ago. I don't know if we're more afraid of commitment or the 11 years. Come on. Come on. Yeah. You know, and I was, I was thinking about my parents' generation, and I was, I was driving out, and the Holy Spirit brought it in view of I hadn't had a, uh, a feeling like this before. But just, I don't know, I got this overwhelming sense of gratitude for how my mom and dad's generation, they stuck at one job, right? And there are benefits to sticking and staying the course, especially when it comes to the things that God has called you to stick with. Culture says jump and jump until you find happiness, until you find the right person, until you find that right city. You're never going to find it. You're ne- you, you can move. I'm moving to Atlanta. What's in Atlanta? I'm, I'm moving to What is There's food, shelter, and jobs there just like there are here. Y'all go talk to me this morning. Question is, just, did God tell you to move? Not this, you know, people who who care about your comfort, but they don't care about your character. If it makes you feel good, you should do it. That's the stupidest thing ever right now. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't going to feel good to. Oh, wow. Two year old. We're, we're different. But you know what? I'm going to love him going to be patient, going to stick the course. 
and now you gain a son. And man, if he makes it big, <laughs> you know who's getting paid. <laughs> it's always a payoff. I've come to find this out real quick. I haven't even really gotten to my message, but I do intend to end on time. So we're just going to land the plane wherever. Today's commitments determine tomorrow's conditions. What you're committed to today will determine the condition of your life in the future. So I don't just want us to to go through the motions of being in school and if I if I pass with with a C or a D or, you know, just um, I have to serve twice a month in church. I'm going to just show up because it's my commitment. Like you don't go through the motions, right? You and everything you do, you do you do with passion and you do with a sense of care and a sense of conviction and a sense of excellence. And um, we know it to be true. You, you work out, you, you stay faithful, you, you begin to feel better and, 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 and you study and, and you get smarter and, and you, you commit to things. You know, your marriage, just because there are things happening in your marriage doesn't mean that it's almost over. It's, it's something you, you work on and you revisit the conversation and you be honest and, and, and you, you work that thing out. God is, God is in that thing, you know. So today I want to give you two key commitments, two, two calls that God has on your life. He's made extremely clear um, two calls that we're, we're as Christians, as, as anointed people, we're called to commit to for the rest of our lives. It's very clear. You don't have to doubt this. And, and if you would be committed to do these two things, everything else is up from here in your life. But don't detach in any given season. You understand me. You got to commit to these things. All right. Number one, here's our first commitment. I commit to building my life on the word of God. I commit to, to building my life on the word of God, not the comment section. Not modern philosophy and psychology. The word of God. A great theologian once said, visit many books, but live in the Bible. This is this is home. This is home. I can't wait to do fresh. I think we're two or three series out from fresh off the press. Can't wait to, to show you. Wow. Like this is God's word. The, the miraculous way that the Bible became the Bible could only be explained by the move of God. Um, so in, in undergrad, um, I was pre pre-med student and I discovered doc, Dr. Ben Carson. He's a famous neurosurgeon. And he also served under the Trump administration as the HUD, um, head of the HUD, you know. And so, but his story is so amazing. Um, he wrote this book called Gifted Hands. And uh, Cuba Gooden Jr. Uh, played him in, in the movie Gifted Hands. And it was so inspiring because it came out around the time I was pre-medicine. So, man, man this is cool. So, um, when, when, when Dr. Carson was, was a boy, he, he struggled with anger issues raised by a single mother, and he had an older brother. And um, she kept him in church. And so one day at school, he got into a, a debacle with a fellow student. And he took this blunt object, and he got so mad that he went to stab the boy with it. And so when he did it, it hit the kid right here. And he, he blew his own mind, like, I, oh, my God, I can't believe I just... I've potentially killed my classmate. But when he did it, 
the, the, the knife dropped and the kid lifted his shirt and thank God there was a, a belt buckle there. And so he ran home. He didn't finish his day at school. He left school, ran home, locked himself in the bathroom for the rest of the day, read the book of Proverbs. The entire, I'm getting chills. Read the book of, that's the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Proverbs and, and came out later that evening. And during that time of reading Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, he had made a decision to give his life to God. And, and he prayed, God, take this anger, take this spirit away from me. And, and he, he came out a, a new person. So you fast forward his story. He, he goes to, so, so he goes back to school and he's completely changed. Like the kids don't even recognize him. He's not getting mad about stuff no more. He was a D student, F student. He becomes a straight A student. He goes through undergrad. He goes to Johns Hopkins. He becomes this neurosurgeon. And, and, and the surgery that made him famous was he, um, he, he, he disconnected or our, our, our took apart conjoined twins at the head. He led this surgery of a lot of medical staff. He was only 35 years old, but it made him world-renowned. And what I see there is, is when he gave his life to Christ, the Lord anointed him, gave him the spirit, and hands that would have been used to hurt, and, and Christ became hands to heal. And, and so that's what Jesus does. He, he takes, you know, he, he turns your life around. And, 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 and Dr. Ben, if you look up some of his quotes, all about the word of God, all about the word of God. Jesus actually said this at the end of his sermon on the mount. He, he capped it off with this it's from Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. You really should probably go home and read the sermon on the mount. Um, a lot, lot of great, great things there. But Jesus said this to end his sermon. He said this, anyone who listens, someone say listens, or you can put their reads, anyone who reads into or listens to my teaching and follows it, watch this, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Here it is, because it is built on bedrock. The word of God. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is wasting his time being in church. Right? I'm sorry. Is, doesn't obey it. Is foolish. Should be at brunch or at breakfast. Um, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. These are the words of Christ. He's saying anyone who listens and follows is wise. Right? Let's define wise in, in the context of what Christ is talking about. Here it is. I, I don't know about you, but I want to be wise. I, I want to surpass a lot of things that people older than me had to go through. I want to keep doing that. I've been doing that since I was seven. I want to keep doing it. So wise means to means that you're listening to and following the word of God in every area of your life. Your finances, your relationships, your sex life, your health. Jesus saying, you're wise if you follow my word in every, if you, if you put it first, you're wise. God gives us his word because he wants us to be blessed. Not because he's trying to keep things away from us. Not because he's trying to hide things. or No, he wants you to actually thrive in that exact area where we're tempted not to obey him. 
It's, it, he has an answer. He has guidance. He has wisdom. He has the right way for that area of your life. And so, um, you know, kind of like when, when, you, when you buy something from a store, in, in, in like Ikea, and you got to build it, right? It has the instructions for building that chair, or building that table. And if you follow it to the T, you get the product. But if you try to skip some steps, you ever did that? You skip some steps? Now, think in terms of your life. If you skip some steps for years, like you may have just skipped some steps on that that table for five or ten minutes and you're like dang it I, I knew I should have read step six and you got to go back and and undo it and and now you you know you've stripped it and you got to find a new screw and now it's broke right but but think of it in terms of God's word when you skip steps for years and Jesus comes in and saves you and and he's gracious but his word is still there to to, to get you to get you in the right right direction I love that word, wise. Someone say wise. wise. Building your life on wisdom. So, um, once again, God wrote an entire book on wisdom. It's the book of Proverbs. That's how much he cares about it. And, and then Proverbs 8 is like the most potent, concentrated book on this idea of wisdom. In which, to be wise means to listen to and follow the word of God. But wisdom is, is clear direction. On, write this down. Clear direction on the best way forward clear direction on the best way forward. That's wisdom. And, and so in Proverbs 8, the spirit of, because wisdom is a spirit, and the spirit of wisdom is the Holy Spirit, which you're filled with. But we just have to be open to listening and following the spirit and not the flesh. That dead part of us, that sinful part of us. And so the spirit of wisdom really like talks about itself in Proverbs 8, like a lot. Like it's like, this is me, the spirit of wisdom. And one thing I love about what wisdom said, it says this here, Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love all who love me, the spirit of wisdom. Those who search will find me. I have, here it is, this is so good right here. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. So I, I make the right decisions. I lead your life to a wealthy place. I lead your life to a fulfilled place. I lead you into a rich place where you don't lack a thing. That's wisdom, right? Th this is what wisdom is saying. And it's saying this, my gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wage is better than sterling silver. Here it is. I walk in righteousness. So I teach you the right ways to go. Wow. Right? And the paths of justice. Those who love me inherit. Someone say inherit. Yeah. Inherit wealth and I will fill their treasuries. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God. That's good news right there. Wisdom wisdom and wisdom teaches you to slow your butt down and commit to something commit to the right things commit to them wisdom because the, i see a lot of things riches honor justice wealth treasuries i see i see peace i see effectiveness i don't see fame I 
I don't see popularity. But, but I see just wisdom. Wisdom. So, so here it is. I want to write this down. Align your life with God's word. Align your life with the word of God. Right, so I don't want I don't want the word to align with me. I want to align with the word, right? I I don't I don't want to say God. Well, I don't like that. How about you do what I want you to do, right? No, I, I want Lord show me, teach me your you know, and and help me to by your grace, by your strength, with some accountability and community, help me to obey and to trust. And to follow your work because of where it's going to lead my life. So your value system has to be aligned with the word of God. E- even how you vote and who you vote for. You cannot be a generational one party voter. You, you can't go to the ballot and say, well, I'm a Democrat and just everyone Democrat. You don't even know them. You don't even know what they believe. You can't go hey, Republican on Republican. Come on now. Know, know your values. And, and you, you, you define your values based upon, uh, well, we're going to vote on this. What does God's word say, say about it? We're going to put this in our schools in front of our kids. What does God's word say about that? Because if I show up to the board meeting, I want to share the values of Scripture. You understand? Your decision making. What does God's word say about it? About, about, about debt and about serving in church and, and about relationship. What does the word of God say? Because that's the safest place for my life to be. That's right. It's, right, it's right there. All right, number two. Here it is. I commit to building the local church. I commit to building the, if you do these, um, it's two points. Built out, these are two points. Build my life on God's word and building the local church. And I, want, I just want to step out and apologize right now. If you've experienced crazy church hurt, I apologize. Right? I, I apologize on the behalf of all pastors, good, bad, and in, in between. Right? Um, any institution that God gives man the authority to lead, there will be hurt. Intentional and unintentional, direct and indirect. So I apologize for that. Um, you will get hurt here. I'm going to just throw that out there. You're going to get hurt. Be it someone doesn't say hello when you walk in, or, or it's as crazy as someone directly, you know, harassing or what, what have you. But just learn to bring it to the right parties, you know, and learn, learn not to leave messy. You know, it, it, it's, just take this in, it's still the bride of Christ. So let's not, you may have gotten hurt, but let's not tear it down as we leave. You know, let's leave wisely and understanding that we still have a, we got to an answer to him, right? So, but the call of God's word is to commit your life to building the local church. And, and so no matter how I feel or what I've been through, eventually I need to heal yes. and I need to find that, that local church, right? And I need to be a part of it, right? So um, Jesus said these words, Matthew 16, 18, I will build, someone say build, build, my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Yes. 
So, so the word hell there, if you're taking notes, means separation. We got eight minutes, 50 seconds. Y'all okay? All right. It means separation, right? So what the enemy of your soul wants to do, right? And I can't wait on that series either. It's going to be great. Is, and that's going to be in October. What the enemy of your soul wants to do is, is he wants to hear it is separate you from not just God, but from the people of God. And that's the thing about it. Like, no matter where you are in life, be it out there in the world or in church, you're going to get some wounds and some scratches. Right. But but I, I'd rather get wounded in, in, a, in a healthy place. Because now we're, we're growing together and we're talking things through and, you know, what I mean, like learning people skills and, 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 and healing through those things. People out in, in the world that disconnect and they get hurt, it, they they implode. They, they become bitter. They become hurt versus saying, I got a little cut there at church, but I talked it through with that person. I went to the pastors. We got prayer. Now there's understanding. Right now, now we can move and that dominoes into every area of your life. It dominoes into your marriage. Come on, we can clap this up into your marriage. And you know what I mean? And, and that's the work of the enemy. You got hurt, run. That boss is hurting you, quit. New job. That boss, quit. New job. And, and you're never grounded. Right? And so the word here, church that Christ uses, ecclesia. Go ahead and write this down. And, and it means called out ones. Did that verse come up for you? Called out ones. Here it is. Who gather in the name of Jesus. Christ created the term church. It had never been used. So as believers, we're called out of the world to gather. And I thank God we get to do it at least once a week. And in your groups, two or three times a week, called out to gather. And this is simply the, the fact of God's word is that I've been called to commit my life to building the local church. That is a calling. You ever ask that question, show of hands, what's my purpose? You've been called. To build the local church. You've been called to make it a priority. You've been called to, to be, you've been called to give financially. You've been called to use your spiritual and your natural gifts to build the kingdom. And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because when Christ comes back, and he will, they, they waited on him for almost 3,000 years the first go around. When Abraham, right? When Christ comes back, the only thing he's getting and bring him back to heaven is the church. So, so if I'm going to commit my life to something, it's going to be the house of God. What, your money won't go. Your, your 401k won't go. All that stuff is important. It, it, it's so important. Please do it up. Like ball out, right? I feel you. I'm with you. But keep it in perspective. Like if you were to die today, it's, it's not going. And then Solomon said this. He says, then you leave it to kids who mess it up anyway. <laughs> so what's all this stress about finances? We're called to build God's house. Come on now. Come on, nine o'clock. I'm preaching today. And I'm good on time. Give you a few characteristics of a healthy church. All right. N number one, these are things you look for because in Acts, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, these were things that were 
were prevalent in the first century church, okay? We're all anointed if you're in Christ. Things you want to look for. Number one, fresh vision. Always vision. It's a very transient area. So some of you won't be here for too long because you're moving on. But always look for a church with fresh vision. They're going somewhere. They're, they're pursuing something. They're, they're preaching the gospel. They're, they're, they're doing outreach. They're, they're reaching out to the community. They, they have plans for sending out missionaries and church planters. And there's fresh vision. And it says this here in Proverbs 28, 19, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So Christ is the founder of the church, right? And when he left, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, if you're taking notes. And the Bible says that um, the, the church, 3,000 people, the first church, mega. The Bible says that they committed themselves, watch this, to the apostles' teaching. Let, let, me, let me help you here. Now, we have what you call the five-fold ministry. The apostle, and each finger represents, you know, the prophet. The, I don't have time to break this down. The apostle is the index finger. Watch me. Now, what does the apostle do? Point. Right? Pastor Shepherd. Are you okay? We'll pray for you. You need some. I'll help you through that situation. Pastor Shepherd. Evangelists will come in from different churches and preach the good news and get us excited. Prophets will declare the word of God and, and teachers will teach. The, the apostle says, this is where we're going. The word apostle actually means sent one. So their teaching was loaded with vision. Right? You know when you're under apostolic grace when you're at a church? When, when, when someone is, when that preacher is always talking about where we're going. That's, that's right. And, and so the church is going somewhere. I have a map in my office right now of the entire state of Maryland. And I have points in which, as a church, cities that we're going to be in in the future. It's going somewhere, right? More people need Jesus. The vision of that church is clear. They're going somewhere. It's exciting. And I'll tell you why it's important for you. It's important that a church has fresh vision because it stretches you to grow in your faith. It's, it's wow, we're, we're going somewhere. I got to grow. I got to mature. I got I to I gotta get up with this. If not, see, in, in this thing, either you stay and you grow or you leave. That's what visionary churches do. Right? Number two, you got to look for one with healthy relationships. Relationships that point you to Christ and the word of God. Connecting with great people and growing in your walk. People who are going to give you wisdom and support. You, You never know who in this room is going to play a pivotal part in your future. God is still in the business of raising Christians up to to high places. And we may be in the same group now, but four or five years from now, you never know who that person will be. So so you need that relationship, right? And and, and so make sure you're signing up for for a light group this summer. And and I think Pastor Kyra is is working on something about flourishing and and opening it up for for this next semester. So don't tell I told you that, but I think she's going to allow some more mentees. Number three, exercising gifts. A church where you're able to exercise your gifts. Bible says that in his grace, 
Romans 12, 6. Here it is. God has given us different, someone say that, gifts. Someone say gifts. For doing certain things well. You're exercising your gifts of encouragement and intercession. You're praying for people and care. And some of y'all are great organizers and administrators and worship leaders and, and, and teachers. And some of you can't do any of that. Y'all, you got the gift of generosity. So you, you give. It, it's gifts. So that's why we want you in Supercepts to discover your gifts because you find fulfillment in that. Leadership development. It's important. Every person in this room is a leader. And so we, we have a value here. It's called high rise. And we believe as a church that we're going to raise up leaders who make a difference. Not just in the four walls, but in, in your industry and in your context, in your home. Some of you, when, when you arrived here, you were young and innocent in the face. Now, now, you're, now you're moms and your fathers and I see you come in with your babies and you're, you're leading your homes and some of you, I, lo I love December. It calls you to have that tithing talk if you're, if you're married and you, babe, I, I don't know about the giving. And one of y'all like, we, we go give. That's God's value. And so one of you has to grow to understand like temperance. It's all, it's great. It's just development. It, it's, it's development. The, the first century church was big on leadership development. Um, the church grew fast, and there's an issue between the Greek and the Hebrew women. So you see some racial division, some, some bickering, some division. Already, a church like six months old. It's already division. The apostles were like, listen, we ain't got time to be sitting down with people. So they said, look, Raise up leaders who have been with us since Christ was here. They've been here for a long time. Raise them up and assign them over these situations and over these people. There's a culture of leadership development, even in the early church. And so, so these are churches where you have environments to develop and values and principles of leadership and you get to put them into practice so i encourage you to join highlight leadership we we, we have one in october it's going to be great all right and i'll tell you what this is important it's important because here it is the the nutrients of the soil of a healthy church when you commit yourself to building the local church the nutrients of that soil gets into the veins of your life it, it gets so, so before Christ, you didn't have vision, but now all of a sudden you, you have goals and you have vision and your values and your habits change and um, you're, you're, you're committing to things and you're finding healthy relationships. It gets into the veins of your life. So you want to commit your life. John D. Rockefeller the richest American to ever live. Even today, his wealth would be twice as much as Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. He owned 90% of the oil industry. One time he was so big, the government got afraid of him. So they broke, broke down his, so, you know, Standard Oil became Exxon and all these different that you see. Um, regarding his Christian faith, his mother raised him up. They were very poor. His dad was a drunkard. But his mom raised him in the church. 
and she taught him the value of putting God first and tithing. He was quoted by saying, um, if I didn't tithe my first $1.50, I wouldn't have tithed my first $1 million. And, and regarding his Christian faith, um, history records that John D. Rockefeller read the Bible daily, attended prayer. Now, how busy are you? We're talking about the richest man in the world. Watch this. <laughs> or ever in America. Attended prayer meetings twice a week. Even led his own Bible study with his wife. He tithed, rested on the Sabbath, and gave away much of his money to charity. And history records him saying this. He's, he says this. There's nothing in this world that can compare with the Christian fellowship. All the money he had. He said, all the places I can go, all the things I own, nothing in this world can compare with the community of God, the house of God, the word of God. Nothing can satisfy but Christ. If you were blessed, could you put your hands together for this word? Come on, come on.